Let us pray. Our most eternal and everlasting Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, what a great God that you are. And what a high privilege that you have bestowed upon us, that we have a high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, who represents us before you. We also are highly blessed because you have chosen us as your children. We do not know yet what we will be, but you assured us that as your son is, so will we be. We recognize Heavenly Father that there are members of this congregation that have various problems, health problems, and other problems. You only know. It is a request that you, the healer, will heal their bodies. It is a request, you, the provider, that you meet their needs. You know exactly what each person needs. And so we do pray this morning that you continue to manifest that awesome power that you possess, that wisdom that you display, that you show that compassion that you continuously release towards us. So, Heavenly Father, this morning, we have gathered in obedience to your instruction that we should do so in order to be encouraged through your word. So we request that God the Holy Spirit, the perfect communicator, will grant us the ability to hear precisely what you want us to hear this morning. This is a request in Christ's name. Amen. We are still in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 7 through 11. where we are dealing with the matter of spiritual gifts. Now, before I even read this, I need to keep reminding us of this. We are living in a very dangerous time, spiritually, because there is great ignorance on the part of believers. We are in a time when many Christians go by what feels good, not what the Bible teaches. We are living in a time when many Christians function based on their emotion and not the truth of the scripture. It is for this reason that it is a challenge to us as believers to constantly prepare souls with truth, to self-guide us with all these shifting things that surround us. Part of what believers deal with is this matter of spiritual gifts. There's so much confusion among believers about them. And we are now Looking at that particular uh, sections that cause quite some problem for believers. And so we have started looking at 1 Corinthians 12 verses 7 to 11. And I'm going to begin reading at verse 
9, he raised to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now the message of 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11 that we've been stating is that there are several spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit gave for the benefit of the church. We have thus far considered four of these spiritual gifts. The first two spiritual gifts related to uh, messages or utterances are in the form of gifts of messages, gift of wisdom, message of wisdom, gift of message of knowledge. The third is the gift of faith that we describe as that special ability to exercise trust or confidence in the Lord that only a few believers possess as a gift from God. Now it is really, as we said last week, the faith that moves mountain. Not everyone has it as a believer. It's a special gift to some believers. The fourth is described as gifts of healing, plural. And we deduce that the apostle used the plural gifts of healing to convey the diverse nature of healings and, and, and the diverse form of illnesses that those with the gift of healing will be involved with. So now we proceed this morning to the fifth spiritual gift. The fifth spiritual gift is related to performing miracles that is described in the phrase of 1 Corinthians 12.10. Again, it looks says, to another miraculous powers. Miraculous powers. Now the phrase to another is still a reminder that not every believer has this gift. But only those the Holy Spirit determines to bestow it. Of course, the phrase does not imply that a person could not have another uh, spiritual gift beside this one. In effect, we are saying that the phrase does not mean that a believer will have only one spiritual gift. But it indicates that not every believer will have the fifth spiritual gift mentioned in our passage. Now that phrase, miraculous powers, is literally from the Greek, this is the way it reads, walkings of power. That's the way it is in the Greek. Walkings of power. Now this is because of the Greek words used. Now the adjective miraculous that you have in the NIV is translated from a Greek noun, not an adjective. A Greek noun 
uh, that appears only twice in the Greek New Testament. In its other usage, in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 6 that we already considered, it means activity as an expression of capability. But in our present verse, it refers to an activity that involves special empowerment by the Holy Spirit. An activity that involves special empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Does then, to qualify the activity involved in the fifth spiritual uh, gift, the apostle used a Greek word translated powers. Now, the Greek word is really from this Greek word that uh, we get our English word dynamite. In other words, if you take the word dynamite, if you remove T, E, and put there, instead of T, you just put S, and you get the Greek word dynamis. Now, it basically means power. And if so, the word may refer to special enablement or strength that the Lord Jesus promised the disciples and so the church that they will receive to help be his witnesses in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Now, again, this is one of those things in my judgment. Because of so much ignorance, believers are substituting power from the Holy Spirit with their morality. And they think, well, you know, if I do some good to please this or uh, keep attention to you or something, or pay attention to another believer, then I must be doing well. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is being ignored. So here it is, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That power, dynamis. Now the word can refer to the power that works wonders, as a power associated with Jesus Christ, during his earthly ministry, on this, uh, as the Apostle Paul, I mean, Apostle Peter, uh, mentioned when he was speaking to the uh, Gentiles assembled in the house of Colonus in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It is, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. That's a Greek word. And how he went about around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Now, power may be understood in a general way of potential for functioning in some way. Now, it is in this way that the word is used 
in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power, that's the word, it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jews, then for the Gentile. Now, when the Greek word is used in the plural, in the plurals, the word then predominantly means Miracles, miracles, if we use that in the plural. And that is the way the word is used uh, to describe what God did as miracles. As Apostle uh, Paul, I mean he used Apostle Paul to do that, as we read in Acts chapter 19 verse 11. Acts chapter 19 verse 11. Acts chapter 19 verse 11 reads, God did extraordinary miracles. Here the Greek word, that uh, miracles is really the same Greek word power, but here it's in the plurals. Therefore it is translated miracles. Now, in our passage of 1 Corinthians uh, 12.10, where the Greek uh, word is also is used in the plural, it is then used in the sense of powers that work wonders, or simply miracle, that is, a special manifestation of great power. Hence, the fifth spiritual Gift is associated with performing miracles. So, the literal Greek that reads workings of power refers to activities characterized by miracles. Hence, the translation of the NIV, miraculous powers. We're looking at activities that are characterized by Miracles. So the fifth spiritual gift, as we have indicated, then is concerned with miracles. Therefore, it is important for us to uh, state clearly that all miracles are ultimately from God. Although He uses either human agents or supernatural beings to carry them out. Now, there's no doubt that miracles are from God. The Holy Spirit, through Apostle Paul, states so in Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. It is, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you? 
because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard. See, he has said God works miracles. So that's from him. Now, the same truth uh, that God works miracles is implied through the human author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. We're going to come back to this passage uh, before it's all over. We'll come back to this same passage. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. It is, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Distributed according to his will. So God testified through miracles. So we are sad. The truth then that all miracles are from God. Because most teachers and preachers of the word of God imply otherwise. In other words, they, they are, they are those who imply that Satan is also an ultimate source of miracles. And so they think of what is described as counterfeit miracles. Counterfeit miracles. Now, this is probably in part because some of our English versions are used such, terms, such as the 1984 edition of the NIV, but not the 2011 edition. They use uh, the word Counterfeit miracles. But we don't see it in the 2011 edition, nor even the New Jerusalem Bible. They don't use that. Instead, they use something else. So they use, but in the 1984 edition and many of other English versions, you find the word counterfeit miracles in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse nine. It reads The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders. Now I suppose though that the adjective counterfeit used in this passage may not really be wrong, wrong if the adjective is understood with the meaning of made in exact imitation of something valuable with the intention to deceive or to defraud. If we understand it that way, it may not be really wrong if something made in exact imitation of something that is quite valuable, but only it is, its purpose is to deceive. Now, anyway, the word counterfeit in Second Thessalonians 2 verse 9 is really translated from a Greek word from where we get all the word like pseudo. Uh, it's a Greek word that in this passage has a sense of a lie. A lie. That is a statement 
that deviates from or perverts the truth. Now every miracle, if you call it miracle, every miracle is real. If you call it a miracle. It has to be real, otherwise it's not a miracle. But, the problem is with the purpose of the miracle. That's why people, in my judgment, people go astray. See, God gives miracles either to authenticate his message through his messenger or to a false agent intended to deceive others or to produce a stubborn response to God's word. This is what I said. God still grants miracles to those who are false because he wants one either to cause people to become stubborn or in order simply to deceive. Some of this deceiving and, and it will involve some kind of testing as well. Now that God authenticates his message through miracles is indicated in declaration concerning the ministry of apostles Paul and Barnabas as reported in Acts chapter 14 verse 3. Acts chapter 14 verse 3. Acts chapter 14 verse 3. Now this passage is important and we'll come back to it again just as we could do back with the Hebrew passage. It says, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. So he gave them miracles to authenticate their message. Not them, their message. Now that God grants miracles though, to false agents to bring about deception on people or for creation of stubbornness on part of a person or persons is clear from the scripture. Now, before I go to this, uh, the part of the comment I started with. See, today many Christians are not looking at results. When they look at results, they don't care about how that result is achieved. So they, they think that, well, the end, I mean, the end justifies the means, as they will say. It's not true when you come to the biblical principles. In other words, that something produces a wonderful result doesn't mean a thing in the world. If the base, if there's something about it that is wrong, spiritually, I mean, in other words, if something contradicts the Bible, it may be popular. I mean, you can find a lot of movements going on today in Christianity and they gather a lot of dust of people. But yet they are not following the scripture. They are, you know, they are giving a lip service, but they are not, whatever they, see, whatever they are doing is not even in, in keeping with the scripture. 
Yet they are having all these results, followers and all that. And yet, people have fallen to the state that they don't know God can do those kind of things for judgment. People don't know that. See, that's why learning and studying is very important. So my point is, God can give miracles to false people in order to bring about judgment. Now see, in the Old Testament time, of course, you by now, all of you here pretty much you know that because I went through this kind of thing in Exodus. And this is where I'm going back now. See, in the Old Testament times, we read of the Egyptian magicians duplicating the miracles of Moses and Aaron. In Exodus chapter 7, Verses 11 through 13. Exodus. Chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. It reads, Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers. And the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Something that means it is a miracle that Moses and Aaron did. Each one, of, each one threw down his staff and he became a snake. Well, remember, Aaron did toss his. It's a snake. The others did the same, he snake. Now, you think about it, there's some form of miracle, I mean, there's a miracle. If you take a non-living thing and throw it down, it becomes a living thing called snake. Now, he said, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet, here's the reason, yet, Pharaoh's heart became hard, stubborn. And he will not listen to them just as the Lord has said. See, the result is what he focused. Now you produce the same thing. My people produce the same thing. So, why would I believe your God? See, that's why I tell you, without being really grounded in the truth, you'll be deceived easily. It's going around so much today. Because things are popular. You know, drying crowds, even in the name of Christianity, drying crowds. Yet, those things are not according to the scripture. And people say, well, you can argue with results. Yes, we can. We argue with results if it is not biblically based. Now, you can argue. I mean, that's what Pharaoh really said. You can argue with results. You, yes, you, yes, your rod became snake. Ma. Magicians there became snakes. So, how, how can we argue? Because, you know, God said, now I want to show you who is real and who is false. And I have a reason for all that. Anyway. So the duplication then of the miracles through Moses and Aaron by the Egyptians, wise men and sorcerer was intended to render Pharaoh stubborn. But that does not mean that the miracle was false. The miracle wasn't false. See, that's my point. Because if this is snake, this is snake. How will you say it's false? You can't say it's a counterfeit. 
Because it's a miracle. But the thing is, that's why, you know, it's important. And I realize that a whole lot of people are so uh, able to quit the scripture. They can put it to you like this. But they don't know what they're talking about. Because they don't understand the meanings of the words used. And they don't understand the context. So here, you can see, yes, all miracles. But what is it really all about? Anyway, going forward, we'll stay with the same thought. The beast in Revelation is described also as doing miracles that are intended to deceive according to Revelation chapter 13, verse 13. Revelation Revelation chapter 13, verse 13. And hold on to Revelation. It is Revelation chapter 13, verse 13. It is, And he performed great and miraculous signs. That's the beast. Even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in the full view of men. That's a miracle. You can dispute that. It's coming from the beast. Now, likewise, miracles will be performed by demons in the future or even at the present to deceive people, as we read in Revelation. Chapter 19, verse 20. So, the thing I'm really trying to emphasize, because we are at a crossroad in Christian faith today, is there are so much people following things that are wrong, but they are seeing results in their mind. I mean, they see it. But are those results produced by God for a purpose of judgment? Or they actually produce for blessing. That's the thing that you have to understand. God has, you know, he has his purpose. So here it is. But the beast was captured. And with him, the first prophet. Notice who had performed the miraculous signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded those who had received the mark of the beast, and worship his image. So miracle was designed, it was designed here to deceive people. The two of them were thrown into, I mean, thrown alive into this uh, fairy lake of burning sulfur. So the point again is that we should not say that a miracle is not real because of the agent involved, but that miracle is from God through a false agent to bring about God's purpose as the agents serve to deceive others. Now God can and does grant miracles through false agents to test whether his people will remain faithful to him and his word and not be swayed 
by false agents who perform miracles, but their message is false. What I'm saying is this. This is what we're facing today. God can make, you know, even a movement so popular in the name of Christianity. It becomes so popular to taste how faithful Christians can be to his word. Because if you follow something that is not in keeping with the scripture, no matter how successful it is, it is a test to those believers who are supposed to be looking at the Bible. So that you should never be impressed with results. Be first impressed with the scripture. What does the Bible teach? That's why we need to know enough of it. We don't know. I mean, I just do a little bit. I wish I knew a whole lot more, but the little I know just makes me know that, oh no, we just don't know anything yet. But for the little, if you know just a little bit, you'll be way, way up there because when people are impressed with all these things, you say, hmm, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Not what is popular. Now look at, show you that God, yeah, he can give miracles to test you or test me. This we know from Deuteronomy, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Deuteronomy, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It is, if a prophet or one who foretells by dream appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place. Because that's how you judge a true prophet from first. They, they come through. But if you stop there, it's an incomplete test. Look at the next thing he says. I mean, of which he has spoken takes place. And he says, let us follow other gods. Gods you have not known. And let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now part of, I think in my judgment again, part of the reason Christianity where we are today is that those of us who teach the word of God are unable to contemporize what's in the scripture. So we can relate to it. And in that way, when believers read, you're looking for a specific language in the Bible. That's not the way the Bible is written. There are sometimes there be language, but sometimes the concept. So now, somebody reads, I say, he said, let us follow other gods. Huh, he said, no one is going to tell me to be involved in idolatry, really. Of course they do, but forget about for that for the moment. That no one will come out and say, let's, you know, let's be involved in idolatry. And, you know, knowing that they're asking you to do so. 
However, if we contemporize it, the first thing that means is, if somebody says, follow me and do what is not in accordance with the word of God. That's what it really means. Because when somebody says, let's worship other gods, what he's saying is being involved in idolatry, and being involved in idolatry means to be false to God, to follow something that is not true. So if you, if you understand it that way, then you look at all these movements going on today. In the name of Christianity, you ask yourself, how many of them are actually according to the scripture? Even though people are advocating them, but are they according to the scripture? If they are not, it's the same equivalent as saying, let us follow other gods. Same thing. This is need to be explained. Not just read through it, as you would do and quote, and that somebody will say, well, I don't see, it, it says, other gods. I don't follow other gods, really. But you forget the concept. And that's what the Holy Spirit gives us. Anyway, that aside, I'm saying that a verified miracle should not ultimately be attributed to a false agent or Satan. If, if, if it is verified, then say it's from Satan or, or, or that false agent. But to God. Because the scripture is clear. I know this is a hard thing for people to swallow. But we don't go by what we think. We go by what the Bible tells us. You know, it's hard for people to say, well, this is, you know, this verse is, is false for sure. So the miracle is doing must be counterfeit miracles. Which means, is it from the devil then? Does Satan has the power? Same power as God? I mean, that's what people say, but they don't realize that's what they're saying. So, everything miraculous comes from God, not from Satan. Can never happen. He's an agent, God will use him, but it doesn't come ultimately from him. He's not the source. He may be an agent. God will give him for a purpose, uh, like for testing of judgment or whatever, but he is, he is not the ultimate source of miracles. Now, why do I say that? There's this simple passage in the Bible that clearly tells us that. It's in Psalms 136, verse 4. Psalms 136, verse 4. Psalms 136, verse 4. Look at that phrase and clause anyway. It is to him who alone does great wonders. His love endures forever. Now that clause, to him who alone does great wonders, means that only Yahweh the God of Israel and no one else performs miracles or wonders. Very simple. They only him. 
So, any other miracle, every miracle must come through him. And from him ultimately, he may use agents to bring them about. That's why I said miracles can come through humans or through supernatural beings. So this being the case then, it is inconceivable that Satan is the ultimate source of any miracle. So with this assertion that miracles are from God, let me then return to our exposition of the fifth spiritual gift that concerns performing of miracles. Now it is interesting to know though that the gift of miracles follows the gift of healing. I just cannot watch this. Now this is a kind of thing that you know uh, the, those who are trained in seminaries and they allow the Holy Spirit to teach them. This is the kind of thing that a, a person trained in seminary you really trained to be as we say, forensic expert, <laughs> you have to come through the scripture with the finest eyes to look at little things here and there that contain the messages. So here is what, one of those things. That is it's interesting. Remember the fourth gift, it has to do gifts of healing. Now this fifth one, gifts of miracles. So this will suggest then there is a distinction between the two in some way. Now the problem of the distinction between the gifts is complicated because healing is in and of itself a miracle. That's that. Healing is in and of itself a miracle. And by the way, you know one of the things um, I bombard you with passages of scriptures? Yes. So that by the time you live here, I don't want any human being to say, it is his opinion. He said that. I didn't say a thing. That's why I bombard you with scriptures. So whenever I say something to you, stand on it. Because I'm not going to, I'm not one of those kind of preachers who's going to make a you know, pronouncement without keeping them from the scripture. So when I make these things, I support them from the scripture. So you know where they're coming from. So when I say that healing in of itself is a miracle, well, that's obvious, right? But nevertheless, we can prove this all by several passages of the scripture to prove that. Now, Mark's gospel records certainly indicate that healing is a miracle, as we may gather from Mark chapter 6, verse 5. Mark chapter 6, verse 5. Mark chapter 6, verse 5 reads, He could not do any miracles there. That's his hometown. Jesus' hometown. Except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, look at that clause. Except lay his hand on a few sick people and heal them. That should be understood to mean that Jesus did not 
that Jesus did a few miracles. When he said, you know, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Remember he said he did not do many, uh, any miracles there. But we're saying, based on that, this healing here should be known as miracles. Although it says any uh, could not do any miracles, just a lot of miracles of other kinds. But not miracle per se, because this healing thing is miracle. Now that is confirmed by that that is miracle is confirmed by what Matthew really actually said regarding the same event. In Matthew chapter 13 verse 58. Matthew chapter 13 verse 58. It is and he did not do many miracles. So you see that's how we, we take the Bible, you read one part, if it's not quite clear such other part of the Bible you get the clearer uh, Understand it. Look at here. He said, He did not do many miracles. But look, I mean, Mark said he could, not, he, he could not do any miracles. Which means he's not talking about the healing, he's talking about something else. But he considered healing miracles. And so, if Matthew says he did not do any miracles here because of their lack of faith. So, if those that he healed, he healed. As miraculous display of his power. He didn't have to re- rely on their faith, but there are other miracles that require faith. And that's the one, uh, that's what Mark was focusing on. Whereas the healing is miracle. But that's why, if, Luke, if, Luke, uh, if Mark uh, tells us he did not do any miracles, and he take it absolutely, that means the healing wouldn't be a miracle. But then, Matthew said he did not do many, many miracles, which means he did some miracles. Now, what are the miracles then? Is the healing. So that's how we wrestle with the Bible. So you can see it's not a conflict. It's just a matter of knowing what is in there. So he says, and he did not do many miracles here because of their lack of faith. Now, this is, of course, for me too, that's one of the things I believe. We are, especially here in the West, we are facing what we don't see a whole lot of miracles. We don't have faith. So, no miracles. Every now and then we do see some of them. The Lord does that. But for most part, there are people in other parts of the world, I'm talking about our fellow Christians, who are depending on faith for everything. And they see some of these miracles that we just read in the Bible. But they see them. Abound among them. Anyway, the Gospel of John records a statement of Jesus Christ that indicates that healing is a miracle, as we read in John chapter 7, verse 21. John chapter 7, verse 21. Notice all I'm trying, all I'm trying to prove here is, I say that, yes, 
Miracle in and of itself. I mean, healing in and of itself is a miracle. And so that will help us deal with the next, the gift of miracles. Anyway, here John 7 verse 21 reads, Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you are all astonished. Now, by the way, the word miracle in this verse is really translated from a Greek word that basically means work, so that the phrase one miracle is literally one work. Now, that aside, the Lord Jesus then stated that the Jews were astonished by one miracle. Now, this one miracle probably refers to the healing of the invalid or one disabled, mentioned still in John chapter 5, verses 5 through 9. Because you read the Bible, you read according to the context. We read, read chapter 7, it says one miracle. So you have to go back to the context and see where has Jesus done anything that we call a miracle? Within this context. So when we get this, where we get to John chapter 5. Verse 5 reads, One who was there had been an invalid, or invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone is goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up. Take up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And that is the next jump with the Holy Spirit. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. That's intentional. To drive home the devil who were going after the Lord Jesus Christ for hidden on the Sabbath day. Anyway, so here, this is this is healing, and that is the what is called a one miracle or one work of Jesus Christ in chapter seven. Now the book of Acts records at least two instances where healing was really described as miracle. When Peter and John appeared before the high priests and other officials, the healing performed through Peter was described as a miracle in Acts chapter 4 verse 16. Acts chapter 4, verse 16. And hold on to Acts. I'm going to uh, look at, I think, the next two passages we'll study in Acts. 
Acts chapter 4 verse 16 reads, What are we going to do with these men? They ask, everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an astounding miracle. And we cannot deny it. What is that outstanding miracle they did that everyone knows about? Well, so that phrasing, an outstanding miracle, refers to the healing of the crippled man reported in Acts chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. Acts chapter 3, verses 5 through 9 reads, So, the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Remember, when begging, he was looking for some money. But he's going to receive something better than money here. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have. But what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's what he has. And that's what he's given. Now taking him by the right hand, he helped me up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. You can see Peter demonstrated that faith. The faith of uh, most mountain, because he said, you, you walk, and he just go, come on. I mean, he believed that. That's like faith we're talking about. Anyway, verse 8 says, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then, he went with them into the temple, God, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, well, that's that one miracle. That's when the, the experts or religious leaders say, we can't deny this miracle. It has to do with healing. Now, still, see, I'm still developing the fact that miracle, healing, is a miracle. Now, the healing the Lord accomplished through Apostle Paul were also described as miracles. According to Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 12. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 through 12. It is God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirit left them. He at least the healing of diseases was included as miracles. Now, so the examples we have cited clearly then indicate that healing in and of itself is a miracle. 
However, the gift of miracles is described as distinct from the gift of healing. So this then raises the question of how to understand what is meant by the gift of healings. If healings is a part of miracle. So how can you distinguish the gift of miracles from the gift of healing? So for that we need to consider the concept of miracles first as found in the Old Testament scripture since that's where we find the concept uh, initially. Now the word miracle is used to describe the plague judgment God brought on the Egyptians in preparation for the liberation of Israel from slavery. As we read in Psalm 106 verse 7. Psalm 106 verse 7 and hold on to that psalm. Psalm 106 verse 7 reads When our fathers were in Egypt they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses and they rebelled by the sea the Red Sea. Now that phrase your miracles is literally your wonderful works. Where the Hebrew usually a participle from a Hebrew a verb with a root meaning that primarily signifies something that's measured by the standards of what people are accustomed to or what they uh, normally expect appears to be extraordinary and wonderful. Now so the response or reaction to events or objects described with the word uh, that we're looking at is that of astonishment and praise for the beholders. So in this passage of Psalm 106 verse 7, the sense of the uh, Hebrew word is used is wonder or miracle, that is marvelous event manifesting a supernatural act of a divine agent, often deviating from the normal cause or laws of nature, as we say. Now, the noun form of that of the Hebrew uh, verb used in Psalm 106:7 is actually used in Psalm. 77 verse 14. The noun form. Psalms 77 verse 14. Psalms 77 verse 14 reads, You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. Now that word miracle is translated from a Hebrew word that may mean wonder or miracle. 
marvelous thing that is an astounding thing which causes a feeling or attitude of intense amazement. Now the word miracle then, when it says it talks about the miracles you did in Egypt, you have to remember now, the miracles involve the plagues. Anyway, the word miracle is then used to describe the turning of snake, I mean Aaron staff to a snake. In uh, Exodus chapter 7 that we uh, already met, uh, referred to, but now let's just go to verse 9. Exodus 7 verse 9. Exodus chapter 7 verse 9 reads, When Pharaoh says to you, Perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, Take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh, and it will become a snake. Again, that word miracle is translated from a Hebrew word that may mean miracle or sign, that is marvelous event manifesting a supernatural act of a divine agent, often with an emphasis on continuing or communicating of the message. So these passages that we have cited then indicate that miracle is concerned with what is unusual or supernatural. However, an event described as uh, miraculous may involve God's act of judgment from this thing in, in Egypt. That means something that is Judgment can be described as, as miracle. So that, this helps us in, in understanding the gift of miracles. So with that in mind, we can say this. The gift of miracles should be understood as a more comprehensive gift of the Holy Spirit than the gifts of healing in that it involves more diverse display of God's power. In effect, all I'm saying is while the gift of miracles includes healing, it encompasses other display of God's power that may benefit or even harm an individual in the sense of producing judgment on a person. So when we talk about to differentiate the two, healing is a narrow. The gift of miracle is broader one. The narrow one is in the broader one. And so, but the broader one includes the healing for sure, but it encompasses every other display of God's power. That's what that gift is. So that's the way we can differentiate that. Anyway, there are at least two miracles mentioned in the New Testament other than healing. In the sense of curing diseases, because that's what most we take of healing, we think mostly of diseases. But there are other uh, miracles that uh, benefit human beings, that make them whole in a sense, that don't necessarily involve physical illness. So, exorcism is a miracle 
That's a part of gift of miracle. We know that exorcism is a miracle because of the Lord's response to his disciples that were trying to keep someone from making use of that practice. As we read in Mark chapter 9 verses 38 through 39. Mark chapter 9 verses 38 through 39. Well, looking at time, I think we just can make it. We have to take this up after break. <laughs> 